in the future moving forward, do you ever see a place, an environment where police officers, school resource officers, won't be needed in our metro public national schools? I hope there is a day mm. where that um, exists. And you know, a lot of times we talk about um, like we take national data and trends and we try to automatically apply it to every school district and every individual school. Right. You know, I would challenge one to also think about maybe why some things haven't happened, right? right? And, and part of this planning that we do with MMPD is proactive measures as well. I mean, they're helping us build our entire plan right, right now in response to all the things that are happening around us. Um, my hope and dream is that we continue to build positive culture and climates, that we can set conditions, that we can close the right, right. equity gap right. and getting students what they need earlier, making sure those resources are out in our communities as well because a lot of the challenges we see in our schools really stem right. from what's happening in the community. Right. And until we kind of address community needs and changes, we're going to continue to kind of be in our continuous improvement model around how our schools can be responsive, um, particularly around safety, mental health, and social emotional learning. Welcome to another episode of Slice of the Community. I'm your host, Jerome Moore, and today we have the director of MNPS, Metro National Public Schools, Dr. Adrian Battle with us. How are you doing, Dr. Battle? I'm doing great. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. Uh, let me go ahead and give you your flowers now. You've overcome, you've maneuvered, you have just really just done amazing things over the last couple of years since you became the director from interim to officially being director. So I want to go ahead and give you your uh, flowers and congratulate you right now for just an amazing job and keeping MNPS afloat and uh, keeping morale high. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. First of all, I appreciate the invitation to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's been such a humbling um, just honored opportunity to serve um, the district that prepared me mm -hmm. um, as a as a young student. But I must say, you know, I'm serving as the director of schools or superintendent, as mm -hmm. I'm often referred to. But it takes the whole team. Right. It takes the community, and I'm just blessed to have um, such great people that I work with and awesome students that I get an opportunity to serve. And so I want to start like right at the fundamental level uh, because you're just not a director, right? You're a whole individual that have <laughs> other things going on in life. So I want to talk about the people that champion you, the people mm -hmm. that, that that gives you that motivation to keep going or inspires you to take on new challenges, mm -hmm. that family support, that peer support. Uh, who are those people? What does that look like? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for even entering into this space um, because I definitely, definitely wouldn't be who I am today uh, without my support system. Uh, means the world um, to me. Um, you know, and I'm reflecting back on my journey and, you know, becoming director of schools. A lot of people didn't know that I had just given birth to my first son. Wow. Um, I think coming in as interim, I was expecting my um, now youngest son. They're both now respectively five and three. Okay. Um, but um, I'm a mother. I am a professional educator. I'm a sister. I mean, I have two brothers who support me to the end. I'm in back. My my mother, um, of course, I give her all the kudos and thanks because um, she has just pushed me and supported me 
um, along um, in my life. My husband, who is also a professional educator, um, who supports me greatly. And because I'm a native Nashvilleian, I have to give a kudos to my entire family, right. um, who, for the most part, lives here in Nashville, mm -hmm. serves as a support system um, to me, to my family, um, are truly advocates, have supported me from day one mm -hmm. when um, I aspired to be an educator. My friends who I grew up with, just this community. I mean, right. Nashville has been very supportive of me um, even before being a director. Right. But quite frankly, um, being a female superintendent, um, you know, and we can talk a whole lot yeah, about the stats yeah, we, yeah, and, and what that looks like, it. but it requires a support system. Right. Um, undoubtedly, we have the chops to get the job done. Right. But um, as a mother, sister, daughter, wife, um, it requires a support system. Right. And again, um, would not be in this position where I am today right. uh, without their full support. Right, and I wanna talk about that a little bit. Uh, being the first uh, woman in this position and then being a black woman at that adds a different type of layer mm -hmm. underneath that. Um, what does that mean to you personally, uh, especially for those who might be looking outside in and yeah. have uh, inspiration of being an educator or a director, or just knowing that it's possible mm -hmm. that it can be done as a woman and as a black woman? Yeah, I mean, let me be clear, um, and I share this with our students all the time. You can be whatever you choose to be, whatever you aspire to be. And it's important, I mean, the significance of being the first product of Metro National Public Schools serving in this capacity, being the first woman ever to serve uh, Metro Nashville Public Schools. I mean, in, in my time in preparing as a professional educator, I didn't see right. those two things, right? And in some ways, it can limit you in what you envision for yourself right. because you've not seen it happen. And so I hope uh, my journey and my commitment um, to opening doors and to um, inspiring other African-American females mm -hmm. on their respective journey. I yeah. hope it's education, because that, that's the thing I do every day, but whatever it may be, mm -hmm. um, that they too can achieve their dreams. And my dream originally was to be a professional educator, and um, just thinking about the impact I was having over time, my only desire was to have greater impact. Right. And um, when you're in this work, it's selfless work, it's hard work, if you stay focused, um, those pathways of success will continue to build um, for them. I mean, as an expecting director of schools, um, just having conversations with women from all backgrounds, right? right? Um, just the conversations around, we can, yeah. we can too. Right? We don't have to be limited in certain roles and positions. And we, we know if we're looking at the stats and the data here locally in the state and nationally, right. I mean, women are woefully underrepresented. And when you think about African-American women, I mean, that number um, is even smaller. Right. And so I hope um, that through my work, um, through my passion, I can continue to inspire others to be that professional educator at the top, mm -hmm. but also to be a great wife and, and mother and sister, whatever capacity. Right. And Nashvilleian. And Nashvilleian, there <laughs> yeah. you go. I mean, I'm extremely proud yeah. to be the first native Nashvilleian servant in this capacity. I want to talk about that transition a little bit. Um, some would say before your transition into this director role, uh, it was a little low point, melancholy uh, kind of feeling around MMPS. Um, about like who was gonna be that next director. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of challenges, a lot going on. What ultimately said, yes, I, I, I wanna see this, 
I want to take on this challenge, or maybe I see opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Um, this is 2019, right? 2019. 2019. 20, April of 2019. And, um, you know, it, it, transparently, I, you know, I've been serving in the district for quite some time. Um, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I've seen several directors of schools kind of come and go. Right. Um, I've been able to observe all the politics around it. And um, naturally, when you're about the, our kids and giving them what you don't really want to enter into the politics of mm -hmm. education, right? right? I mean, you're about the work and getting it done and getting outcomes. And so it wasn't kind of a pursuit for me as far as being um, the director of schools. Uh, but we're in a place where, um, quite frankly, it, it was it was just praying to do God's will and not my own, right. um, not to go too spiritual on you, but then there's this space of if not you, then who? Mm. Right? I care deeply about Nashville. I care deeply about our young people. Almost my entire career has been spent in Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I know the, the aspirations of the capabilities of our students. Mm -hmm. I know the greatness in our teachers and our staff. And it was an opportunity to say, let's shine. We can right. get this done. Right. Is it complex work? It is. Is it going to take some tough skin and some long days and nights and weekends? It will. Right. Um, but this is an opportunity for a native Nashvilleian who kind of knows mm -hmm. our school system, right. um, worked alongside thousands of our teachers and employees, um, had touch points with students along the way, right. um, to take that, right, without the learning curve right. um, that can be so great as right. a director of schools to accelerate the very district who helped me, right. um, again, land in this particular position. And I think this speaks to your leadership, right? Um, and leadership can look different for many different people. Mm -hmm. People um, evaluate leadership differently, they exercise mm -hmm. their leadership differently. And so I want to get into like, what steps along the way, right? During your whole tenure as a teacher, uh, you know, you won so many awards just in education in general, impacting education here in MBPS. What are some of those things of like leadership lessons or uh, just little gems that you learned that prepared you for the position that you're in now as director? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I think about is just my journey in general. Like, I knew as early as third grade, again, my parents argued with me much earlier, we knew, maybe that's as early as you remember, that I wanted to be an educator. Okay. I knew that. I studied education. Um, even in high school, I was a part of the education childcare program at John Overton High School. Went off to college, studied education. Although I went on an um, athletic scholarship, I knew I wanted to come back and, and teach in Metro National Public Schools. Um, I served in multiple capacities. For me, it was about that lifelong learning. Right. I've just always been a learner. And that's something that not only my parents and my family poured into me, but all the teachers and support staff that I interacted with mm -hmm. as a young person growing up. Um, and I was always in awe by yeah. their ability to inspire, inspire, pour into right. me and my friends and my other classmates. Um, and it was just like, it just felt like magic to me. Right. Like how do you, and so it, it led me to really studying right. like the, the, the art of growing students, but also inspiring others, particularly right. adults, um, to, to respond to the need right. um, of, of our students. And so um, studied uh, multiple positions from yeah. teacher to principal to coach and assistant superintendent or a community superintendent um, that all prepared me um, for the role. But when I think about 
the adults in my life and the leaders I've, I experienced, they cared about people. Right. They empowered people. Um, it was never about them. Mm. It was about the, the vision right. and executing on that. And so it's those nuggets that right. really inspired me to, to stay focused, um, stay in the profession that I love, mm -hmm. and continue to give back. People will see your position as being a very powerful position, you know, director, superintendent of all Metro National Public Schools. Um, what is your definition of power, and how do you use this quote-unquote power to make sure you're doing all those things, being a good leader, mm -hmm. empowering people, giving people opportunities, uh, creating chances, mm -hmm. being uh, a representative for those who may want to be future educators? Yeah, I mean, I actually don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's not about... Um, being in control, or having right. authority, or having power. It's about my opportunity mm. to empower others. You see power as an opportunity to empower others. That's right. That's, that's right, a, because here's the thing. I'm one leader. Right. right? I see all of our staff, including our students, um, as leaders. Right. And it's my responsibility to use my platform, my position, to empower Mm -hmm. everyone to perform at their greatest. Right. Um, and so it's not about me, it's about how can I set a compelling vision? How can I inspire and promote action right. to get us where we need to be? So it's, it's actually my opportunity then to just empower others, yeah. um, but not um, to control, right. right, if you will, um, how others respond right. or um, capping the talents and the opportunities for our students. I, like, I always like asking leaders that power mm -hmm. question because everybody views power mm -hmm. differently. Some people view it as a negative thing, like trying to control people, but mm -hmm. from what you're breaking down, which I love to see is when a leader is using power to say, no, nah, I see this as an opportunity mm -hmm. to actually give people mm -hmm. power, right. not, not control them with whatever power right. that I have. Um, another power came into play, the power of Mother Nature, <laughs> right? The one we can't control. The, the one we can't control. <laughs> uh, we had a tornado mm -hmm. here in Nashville, um, followed up by pandemic, COVID-19 mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit. Okay. All you right. know, you're, you're, you're freshly new, officially at this point, mm -hmm. maybe a couple weeks before, unanimously voted uh, by the school board mm -hmm. to be our superintendent, our director. Mm -hmm. A week or two go by, tornado, mm -hmm. pandemic. Mm -hmm. What was your first initial thoughts when all this went, before you can even yeah. make a decision or call anybody, what was, what was you thinking? What was Dr. Battle thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think the <laughs> initial um, reaction was, okay, I mean, I, I've not, like there's no playbook, right? right. Like I've, I've not experienced in any role I've been in, mm -hmm. like navigating um, a devastating tornado followed by a pandemic. Right. I mean, and the pandemic was really yeah. like an outlier for right. us. And so I thought, okay, you know, like this is, this is, you know, there's no testimony without a test. Right. So let's really dig deep around who we are. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times, you know, while it was a challenging time, um, my challenges really probably weren't around what people perceived. Okay. Like I typically got the, oh, you know, like things are hard. Right. And things were hard and things were complex. There were certain things that were easy about right. navigating the tornado and the pandemic. Um, and that was just simply, I know what's best and good for kids. Mm -hmm. I know what's best and good for our staff. Right. And I have learned from and received so much feedback from our parents and our community. Right. 
and like keeping the right thing at the forefront of decision making, the decisions weren't the hard part. Right. I mean, the hard part was navigating the politics of right. it all because there's so many opinions about education in general. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, how unfortunately, you, something do, that was unknown to how, most of us. How do you navigate something like that, especially something that there's no playbook for? Mm -hmm. um, for example, with the pandemic, mm -hmm. some people wanted a mask mandate, mm -hmm. some people didn't. How did you mm -hmm. handle those things? What was your process? Some people was okay with remote learning. Mm -hmm. Some people was like, hey, I need my kids okay. to, to be in the classroom. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some things that you you just can't waver on because you know, right. again, what's good for kids and, and your staff versus not. But my commitment was to, again, the research. Mm -hmm. Research-based decisions, talking to the experts. Right. right? I, in my own right, if you will, expert in education. Right. right? I'm not a health expert. Mm -hmm. So it was about really paying attention right. to the research and the data and the experts. Um, that's what helped me navigate it, right. was um, just staying in tune and being consistent right. with what um, direction our experts and our data and our, our research-based practices um, were pushing us towards. Um, again, nothing about it was easy because right. in an ideal space, I mean, there is no pandemic for one, right. but kids are in school, they're learning. Right. We know that is the primary um, method or mode by which we want to educate our students, but the pandemic made that extremely hard. And it's, right. it's one factor around students being in, but I also have to make sure that operationally, right. I can support the learning of our students right. when they're in our in our buildings, and so it was just kind of turning down the distractions, mm -hmm. focusing on our our young people, aligning that with the research, the expertise um, of um, those in the space who were studying and had the background knowledge to make those informed decisions. I think the pandemic and a tornado, but more specifically the pandemic, I think opened up the Pandora's box, right? Mm -hmm. Around something I know is really important, not only to you and the whole team at MPS, but I think to everybody, which is equity, mm -hmm. right? Social and emotional learning, mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, when did you realize or what did the pandemic do, right? And, and kind of exacerbrate mm -hmm. and say, hey, whoo, whoa, yeah. whoa. Like yes. we have kids that don't have internet mm -hmm. access mm -hmm. to learn remotely. We have kids that don't have laptops. Um, now, if you do have a learning disorder, how do we, like, how did, how did yeah. you all tackle all these things or go back and mm -hmm. say, okay, now we had to create this equity roadmap because this, this pandemic mm -hmm. showed us, you know, we, we have some things we need mm -hmm. to work on. Um, how did you tackle that? What was that process like? Yeah. When did that hit you? Because historically we know there's always been inequities mm -hmm. in education, especially for black and brown folks that look like me mm -hmm. and you, just historically in this yeah. country. And now you have a pandemic mm -hmm. that says, okay, I'm going to show this to you even more. Yeah. So some people who may not even been aware was now aware, or some people who tried to ignore it mm -hmm. can no longer ignore it. Uh, so true. I mean, first of all, thank you for highlighting the fact that a lot of these issues, I mean, there's historical context. Mm -hmm. One, why they existed, right? Right, and and our inability to address them quick enough. So pre-pandemic, right, they exactly. were there, and so in a lot of ways, we knew exactly what those inequities were. Mm -hmm. Like we knew them. Right. Um, we have been a district that's been woefully um, underfunded, like many districts across right. um, the country. And so, while the pandemic was hard, there was some good that came out of the pandemic. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So now we have so much conversation right. about the inequities, right? We're virtual, we're at home, right? Mm -hmm. We could not open the physical doors of our, of our schools. Right. Our students don't have the technology that they need. Right. We'd been dreaming and talking about and planning 
for one-to-one -one technology mm -hmm. for over a decade. Right. Had not been able to execute on that because of funding sources, the investments were not there. Well, now all of a sudden, we need the technology in the hands of our students. And mm -hmm. I'm thankful. We have great partnership with Metro Council, the mayor, they responded. We were able to achieve in just a couple of weeks right. something that had taken, I mean, years to right. even get to the forefront. When you're talking about food insecurity, mm -hmm. right? we're talking about housing insecurity, when you're talking about the mental health needs of our students and their right. social emotional learning competencies, now all of a sudden, right. you know, we're seeing it, seeing it at home, right? right? And, and, and parents, I thank them because I know the struggle right. and the impact it had on families. But now we're able to see, you know, we have a front row seat yeah. to what's happening and how complex it is when we're talking about educating our young people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's some good that came out of this. Let's talk about the value of our educators right. and our bus drivers right. and our nutrition services work. Yes, they responded. But now we see that there is a great demand and quite frankly, it started with the tornado and it increased and accelerated throughout the pandemic. We now have this response as our schools being the hub of our community, yeah, right? And so we're the hub of the community mm -hmm. and we have a responsibility to respond mm -hmm. to all the community needs. Right then we should invest in that same community with or without a pandemic. Right. And so there are some things that I look at as pandemic keepers. Right. We're, our goal now is to be better than normal. We're not right. trying to return to the state we were in in 2019. Right. We're trying to learn from what happened, mm -hmm. eliminate those inequities. Right. right. So we're talking about technology. Mm -hmm. We're talking about right now we've invested in providing meals for every student, right. no cost. No cost breakfast and lunch. Why are we just in 2022 right. getting to this space? We're talking about now having direct services provided to students in school, right. where we're not hoping and wishing there's some community connection out there. We're working with our community partners mm -hmm. to come in. I mean, we're expanding in so many different ways. Now that we have these advocacy centers and peace centers, right, right in our schools, so that we have a direct response when a student becomes unregulated. Right. We're adults, it happens to us. Right. So we have to have the supports in our schools so we can have those conversations. There were also some unfortunate conversations right. that came through this platform throughout the pandemic. All right, now we're challenging the books in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. We have this rhetoric around critical race theory. Right. I mean, you name it. Now, now we're talking about um, you know, the value of our teachers. And we right. know good and well right. that our teachers have been the core, the back, backbone to our city, mm -hmm. to our country, and preparing every student right. for every industry, right, right in, as adults and in, in their professions. And so um, lots of conversations about the inequities, right? But now we're in a space where more people are paying attention right. so that we can actually do something about it. Right. We're closing the gap, yep. but we're not where we need to be. How can, how can community be a part of that, mm -hmm. closing the gap? Because again, it's like this is just not about students, mm -hmm. it's about also guardians and parents uh, that are sending their, their, their kids mm -hmm. to these, these schools that, you know, that, that we want to be great, that we want to, all of them to be award-winning mm -hmm. schools, right? How can community be a part of that? And is there any kind of rhetoric that hurts that, yeah. that comes out of the community, mm -hmm. uh, misnomers, myths, or whatnot that you can touch on? Listen, I will be the first to tell you that in this thing called education, teachers, superintendents, principals, counselors, nurse, name the role, mm -hmm. we cannot do it alone. It takes strong parent engagement, family engagement. 
it takes community partnerships, it takes community leaders, mm -hmm. it takes everyone right. really marching to the same right. tune. Like we need to be clear about what we want to be true right. about at least our young people here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. But it takes that public-private partnership. Like our doors are open. Right. We want the partnerships. Even if it means reading to a student, even if it means serving as a tutor in our accelerating um, scholars program, even if it means being a guest speaker, even if it means if you're out and about right. midday and you see a young person who should be in school, mm -hmm. ask them where they should be. Right. Right? Because it shows that our community cares right. about them and we're invested in their educational opportunities. I mean, on the, uh, on the other side, as you've mentioned, it can be unhelpful, particularly when um, you hear conversations about what one assumes to be true right. um, in our schools, particularly when you know you follow up and you've not even been in one of our schools in 20 years. Right. Like, come in and right. see and be a part of the solution. Right. It is so unhelpful mm -hmm. to just create narratives right. to have a platform exactly. for whatever reason. If we are truly about getting this thing right, mm -hmm. then we should be advocating, um, rallying around right. what we're going to do right. to help move the needle for our kids. I want to I want to I want to get on these like even deeper like mm -hmm. community conversation, mm -hmm. right? As you know, this is a hot topic. School resource officers, mm -hmm. SROs, mm -hmm. um, and the, which is kind of built in around I think social emotional learning, mm -hmm. equity. Um, we know that black and brown students uh, at, at the moment are suspended three times as more than their white counterparts. Um, some may say that the interaction with police for those students may cause more suspension or uh, just confusion about the presence of mm -hmm. SROs, right? Um, and just to be clear, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's an MOU mm -hmm. between MNPD and MNPS. That's correct. SROs do not come out of your budget. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> you know, do not come out of budget. It's an MNPD budget. I that's just right. want to make that clear, make sure mm -hmm. that's, that's out there. Just to, just to get yeah. around the confusion yeah. that people may have, mm -hmm. what is the role of school resource officers in Metro National Public Schools? Absolutely. First of all, I have to say I'm very cognizant mm -hmm. of the data okay. and the disproportionality. Uh, we're very transparent about um, our focus and it's our intentionality. It's in the equity roadmap. It's in the it's equity all, roadmap. Yeah, are very transparent. Um, and we are seeing movement in the right direction. I care about our young people and I care about the statistics of how we're, I mean, you can, early on, I mean, we have data as early as third grade that projects out, right. you know, the, the outcomes for students um, as an adult. And we're not just sitting back and doing nothing about it. We're, right. we're pouring in and putting in these strategies. And one of the things you mentioned is our MOU with right. MMPD for our school resource officers in our buildings. Um, and there's lots of misconceptions, uh, particularly yeah. around how SROs serve in Metro National Public Schools. I can't speak for any other district or any state for that matter. Right. But in Metro National Public Schools, our SRO officers are not there to be disciplinarians. Okay. They are not there to enforce the discipline policies of our schools. Right. They are there for, as a safety measure, right? And unfortunately, we've had um, some tragic events happening in our schools with our young people. It just mm -hmm. breaks me when I think about right. um, that. Um, they are there for when the law is being broken, right. and to also um, help plan with our school administrators, right? So the, it's this misconception. Our educators are trained in their content, they're trained in leadership, they're trained mm -hmm. in counseling, whatever their respective role. Right. 
MMPD has been a great partner, and I'm very appreciative to Chief Drake and his responsiveness to the needs of our school district to come alongside us mm -hmm. and help us create safety plans for right. our buildings, help pressure test those yeah. safety plans, and in the event of an emergency, actually be there to respond. Right. Right. So it's about that extra outlier support. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a previous principal, and I've worked hand in hand with our school resource officers for, for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And our kind of internal agreement was, I've got the school side of things. I've got our school operations. Mm -hmm. I've got our discipline. I need you here for our emergency response. Right. And so that's some of the work that they're doing in our schools. They're also working with us as a district to right. make sure that we're reviewing our safety plans and our drills and right. helping us stay updated with the um, um, research-based safety measures, right? right? Um, so I'm, I'm very appreciative, again, of our partnership with MMPD. I'm glad that we have our MOU in place. Again, our school resource officers that are only in, mm -hmm. our armed officers are only in our middle schools and our high schools. Um, not elementary. Not elementary, <laughs> not elementary schools. And again, very cognizant mm -hmm. of that pipeline and, and, and building strong, positive relationships right. um, from the beginning. But they're there to help with particularly our ex external mm -hmm. plans, right. but they will respond in the event of an emergency. Um, but that MOU really outlines and dictates what that looks like um, inside of our schools. In the future moving forward, do you ever see a, a place, an environment where police officers, school resource officers, won't be needed in our metro public national schools? I hope there is a day mm -hmm. where that um, exists. And you know, a lot of times we talk about um, like we take national data and trends and we try to automatically apply it to every school district and every individual school. Right. You know, I would challenge one to also think about maybe why some things haven't happened, right? right? And, and part of this planning that we do with MMPD is proactive mm -hmm. measures as well. I mean, they're helping us build our entire plan right, right now in response to all the things that are happening around us. Um, my hope and dream is that we continue to build positive culture and climates, that mm -hmm. we can set conditions, that we can close the right, right. equity gap right. in getting students what they need earlier, making sure those resources are out in our communities as well, because a lot right. of the challenges we see in our schools really stem right. from what's happening in the community. Right. And until we kind of address community needs and changes, we're going to continue to kind of be in our continuous improvement model right. around how our schools can be responsive, um, particularly around safety, right. mental health, and social emotional learning. It takes, it's a, it's a wraparound of a lot of different Absolutely. services. Um, I think as you alluded to before, mm -hmm. whether it's housing, food insecurity, education, Absolutely. what's happening at home, all of these mm -hmm. things. I'm glad that you was able to, to really unpack that mm -hmm. for because I think it's just a lot of narratives mm -hmm. for people who, as you said, maybe haven't been to school mm -hmm. or just seeing what's happening nationally. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do want to talk about <clears throat> some of the things that's happened nationally and how has that kind of changed the environment of school yeah. is unfortunately school shootings, mm -hmm. right? How has that changed emergency um, preparedness? Um, and, and being ready for that. Yeah, you know, and I think I've spoken very publicly about this. We're going to do our part, right? right? If that means um, training, if it means resourcing mm -hmm. the conversations we're having with our students, um, we're going to do that within reason right. because I also understand uh, my demographics and the students who look like me right. and, and you, as you've right. already mentioned. 41%, I think, something that's like right. that. That's right, yep. that's right. And so, um, we're going to implement policies, procedures, and safety measures that protect them on both ends, right? right. So we're going to do our part. 
What is really needed is a national state response okay. to what's happening. Um, and I'm going to be quite blunt when I say this. We're not handing out weapons in Metro National Public Schools. Okay. Right? We don't hand them out. Right. We respond right. based upon what shows up in our learning communities. Right. And so we need to be thinking about the laws that mm -hmm. allow um, these weapons to um, be in hands of individuals who mm -hmm. are um, sometimes incapable of making proper right. decisions, um, in the hands of our young people mm -hmm. um, who legally um, should not um, right. have them, the types of weapons right. that our country allows, right? right? We have a new state uh, policy that allows for more uh, weapons to be in our communities. Our schools are here to educate our students. Part of our responsibility is to create safe learning conditions. So that's been a part of our DNA for years. Right. Based upon what's happening across the country, we are responding, we are tightening and, and, and stiffening some of those protocols and making sure we have the technology mm -hmm. um, to be responsive. But I continue to call on right. our lawmakers um, who have the, the authority, the power, right, the power um, yep. to, to make a change to do so. Right. That speaks volumes to our young people. Right. They hear, they listen, right. they know the conversation, right. right? And so we need that type of leadership right. that will help us get where we need to be. And, and don't get me wrong, there are lots of leaders out there mm -hmm. that are fighting every day right. um, to get movement um, in this space. But we're gonna continue to do our part. If that means us revising, revisiting mm -hmm. our plans, we're adding um, a new role to our elementary schools um, this year, we're in that process. But it, again, I'm calling on the community mm -hmm. to help us respond because we're not, we find them, we don't right. hand them out. Right. We find them and I'm not going to shy away from whatever data or metric is out there mm -hmm. about us finding weapons mm -hmm. because that means that a child is safe, right. no one is harmed. And I keep empowering our team, follow our procedures, students follow our procedures. I'm proud that students are reporting. Teachers are following protocols, our staff members are following protocols, and principals are not shying away from saying, not on this campus. Right. We're, gonna, we're gonna create the safest conditions that we can. Another national thing, um, and I state, you know, there's a slippery slope and I state on this with our lawmakers, but our gay community, right? Uh, when it comes to bullying, harassment, uh, gender identities. Um, how is MNPS responding to that, especially around the social and emotional mm -hmm. learning side of things and making sure those students who identify with their community mm -hmm. are still treated the same, mm -hmm. creating that equity mm -hmm. environment? Our mantra in Metro National Public Schools is every student known. Mm -hmm. We want to know you, we, want, we value you, we're gonna support you, we see you, right. okay? And, and our student services um, department has um, led an initiative around MNPS for all. Our school board is leading the way on our resolutions and our policies that are inclusive of every student that we serve. I am proud of the student population that we serve in Metro National Public Schools. We are very diverse. Right. And I mean, when you say diverse or diversity, you gotta embrace every bit of that. Right. And that's what we try to live by right. um, every day in Metro National Public Schools. And so I think, you know, what we lead by and our mantras and, and our initiatives exhibit our desire to right. bring all students in and to have them be known and their voices to be heard and right. for us to support them um, accordingly. You mentioned our equity roadmap. You mentioned our social emotional learning work. Like we're about all students right. um, getting what they need. Now, you know, when it comes to like we pay attention to 
hot topics around bullying and harassment and you know we're in a day and age where cyberbullying mm. is probably at an all-time high right. right because of social media and the devices that are in the hands of our students and we're doing our part around training students about proper usage right. um, of their technology right. uh, but again this takes community it takes monitoring even at home and when you know we're at events and games and con like it takes constant monitoring mon monitoring and we can't have assumptions that students know. Right. We've got to take the time to teach right. our students proper use, how to treat others. Right. What does it mean to be respectful and inclusive right. um, of others as well? And so that's a space we're really paying attention to, attention to but we're having to work with our parents, mm -hmm. our community leaders. Uh, we have policies and procedures internally right. um, that we hold students accountable to. Uh, but every student know, MPS right. for all, right. that's what we're about. A big uh, thing I, th I think is would be good for you to talk about is just you no know, funding. <laughs> you know, everybody needs more money, <laughs> especially <laughs> for education. Um, but you know, we have been able to increase pay for our teachers, uh, staff, mm -hmm. and things like that here in MPS, which is you know we we needed that money, we needed those funds. Mm -hmm. However, you know, some would say we're kind of underfunded from the state side, mm -hmm. right? Which creates more challenges, uh, budgetary challenges for you. Yes, you know, and for our city. Mm -hmm. um, how do we fix that? How yeah. do we maneuver around that? How do we pivot those mm -hmm. uh, financial challenges? Yeah, I mean, great question. When you think about um, fundamentally the investments in school districts, like in theory, mm -hmm. right, um, the majority of investments in school districts should, should come from the state. It should be about a 70-30 split between state and local. And I mean, federal is usually a very small percentage, one or two percentage um, points of the overall budget. Um, and in Nashville, in Nashville, and I'm specifically saying Nashville because mm -hmm. this is not true for most of the other districts in our state, it's flipped, right? right? So our local um, um, uh, government funds about 70% of our budget in the state, 30%. funds about 30%. And you know, there's all kinds of reason why we've shifted from BP into TISA and we can right. talk about the fiscal capacity of Nashville. Um, regardless, mm -hmm. the needs of students in Nashville Right, matter, and so you know there there is a need for advocacy and recognition that from right. the state level we have to meet the unique needs of our students right. um, here as well. But again, I'm thankful for the partnership with Metro Council with the mayor that the last two budget cycles we've had is historic investments. Right. It's helping us close the gap. I mean, right. we've been so woefully underfunded for so long right. that I can't say again we're where we need to be or that we've accelerated right. um, beyond um, that point, and so. What really needs to happen in this space, and, and we're taking the lead on some of this, we've changed the way in which we budget. Uh, we no longer kind of hope and wish, right? We'll right. Just put a number out there, hope and wish. We are very transparent mm -hmm. around our theory of action. Right. Here's where we are, here's our, here's our ideal space, this right. is what investment is gonna take for us to get there. Okay. And then we hold ourselves accountable for moving the needle in okay. that direction. Um, Large-scale change doesn't happen overnight, right. but we should be able to progress monitor they were moving in, in that direction. It's going to take advocacy, particularly at the local level in Nashville, okay. to, to just at the state level, right. them understanding the needs of Nashville, um, them understanding that, you know, fiscal capacity aside, right. the state has an obligation exactly. to fund our system at a level at which it does 
surrounding counties. Right. And so, as I mentioned for Nashville, that's the model. That's not true for the majority of districts right. in the state. And so, uh, we need our local leaders, our community, um, to continue to rally around and continue mm -hmm. to demand right. um, that there is an appropriate response um, to the funding that's needed right. for us to get the outcomes that we need. We also have to understand that that's not always a vision of everyone, right. right? But we have to demand it for our young people. And and for way too long, we've been woefully underfunded. Uh, we need the our city leadership to continue mm -hmm. to invest, but we also need the state to invest in our young people as well. Can I also mention, you Go mentioned ahead. teacher yeah. compensation. Yep. Mm -hmm. We now have the highest paid teachers um, across the state. Um, that is something that we have worked for some time mm -hmm. towards. Uh, we had a significant investment in our support um, pay, even um, established a new pay scale for our transportation department mm -hmm. um, and others. I mean, we, we have significant investments happening right now to lift the value of our employees who pour directly into our students. So when you think about compensation, sometimes we think about it as an adult. The majority of our budget is our employees, right, right who work daily, directly right. with our young people. So we're proud that Nashville is recognizing our educators. Mm -hmm. um, Team MMPS right. in the way that they should. We've made a huge step forward, but we've still got a long way to go. Now, keeping the public schools, is there budding financial competition or even resources between public schools and charter schools? I mean, generally speaking, uh, you know, when I um, look at numbers and financials mm -hmm. and I hear the arguments of the pros and the cons, right. it comes back to the public district run schools having the resources, right? right, as opposed to dividing out the resources, having the resources to provide the quality education we want for every student. Right. Now, in my role, it is my responsibility to um, lead mm -hmm. um, and move forward with the mission and vision for our district schools. And that's where I spend the majority okay. of my time. And I'm just, you know, just right. being transparent. Like, that is my responsibility. That is what my school board has hired me to do. Um, and so I don't often get too deep in the weeds right. around that. But when you just look at financial models, right. that is where the argument comes around okay. the pros and the cons. Um, as a Nashville native, I want all young people. I mean, Nashville, in Murfreesboro, right. in Chattanooga, in Mississippi, I want all right. young people right. to be educated, yeah. nationally, to, to, to be educated because it speaks to the, the quality of our profession, mm -hmm. it speaks to the future um, right. for our country, right. um, and so that's where my focus has remained, but it's typically around like the, the ability to divide up the pie and how right. many times can you divide right. up the pie and still provide quality services. I want to um, kind of end off on the future, and when I talk about future, I want I want I want you to talk about a little bit about the successes of the current, mm -hmm. and also how do we continue that yeah. advancement of education in a kind of postish mm -hmm. pandemic kind mm -hmm. of you know environment. Yeah, I mean, we're coming off um, a very successful school year last mm -hmm. year, right? While um, there were critics about our pandemic response, what was going to happen next. There was research, researchers out there working against, you know, public education that would take years, right, for right. us to recover. And then coming out of last school year, again, 48 reward schools, reduction in priority schools, two of our wonderful schools that mm -hmm. moved from priority to reward school status, right. level five district and growth, I mean, the right. highest level of right. growth that um, you can achieve in a single 
um, school year. Second highest rating as far as achievement overall right. um, is concerned. I mean, lots of these measures we've either not seen before mm -hmm. or haven't seen for years, like dating right. back to 2015 where there was a whole nother test and a whole nother system. Um, so we're really excited about that. And we talked about the historic compensation and I mean, right. uh, just a, just responses in every way mm -hmm. um, for our students, um, increasing advanced academics and right. opportunities. And I mean, you name a new curriculum that we're doubling down on, just making sure literacy equity roadmap. So right. we have a roadmap, mm -hmm. like we have a plan. Right. The foundation, and people the foundation, go look at it, it's there, it's, it's there. available. It's there, I am extremely, I'm extremely optimistic mm -hmm. about the future of Metro National Public Schools. Not because of Dr. Adrian Battle serving as director of school, because I get to see and witness every mm -hmm. day the quality of education. I mean, you just have a conversation with one of our students, right. you're blown away. Right. All right, by their knowledge and by, about, by their connections, their plans right. for the future. We are working really hard right now on creating a system, a seamless system mm -hmm. of pathways that are tailored to the needs of our students. So we're launching um, an initiative from birth to kindergarten. Oh, wow. Right? We have another initiative on the other end called University MMPS where we're trying to create seamless pathways from the time a student enters this world in Nashville right. to the time that they move into post-secondary and career opportunities into the right. workforce. They can see themselves along the way. Right. We've removed barriers to their access, thinking about the partnerships with Tennessee State University and Lipscomb and Belmont right. and more to come so that students are not discouraged along the way. Right. We want our young people to focus on that learning, right? right. Building their skills, their knowledge, their character, right. so that they're the ones at the front of the line when the oracles come in right. and the Amazons expand, whomever, right? right? We want our students to have a toolbox by which when they graduate, it's not that I just have this, this is my only pathway, mm -hmm. and they have to choose me. Right. We want our students to have control over that. They will choose them. And so the future is bright for Metro National Public Schools. Anything that you want to avoid <laughs> in the future? Distractions. Okay. Right? Like, I, 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 my board and I talk about this all the time. My administrative team, I talk to our principals about this all the time. Everyone, turn down the distractions turn them down. If we can, um, as a community, focus on what we want to be true for our young people, mm -hmm. Nashville, Metro Nashville, it's our, it's our um, North Star to become the premier large school district in Tennessee and beyond. That is achievable. Right. We're already achieving right. that in a lot of ways. Right. We've got to turn down the distractions. If it is not a conversation that helps us move the needle around getting our students where we need to be, it's a conversation that we don't need to have. If it's about a community partnership mm -hmm. that doesn't help us point arrows mm -hmm. in the direction that we all envision for our young people, right. we need to have a different conversation. Right. We need the support and we want the help, but the right. conversation has to be grounded in our young people. Nashville is primed, it's ready to provide what's necessary for our students. It will take this community rallying around them, making sure we have the investments, make sure we can attract and retain right. the best and brightest talent right here right. Um, in our district. I'm a native Nashvilleian, I'm here. Right. I'm here for the long haul, for the fight, for the complexities, for the opportunities that I know will be before us. Well, thank you, Dr. Battle, for having this conversation with me. Um, I think people are gonna appreciate this, They're gonna appreciate your candor, your transparency, and uh, I appreciate you and the job that you've done thus far. 
up until 2026, we're going to manifest it. It's going to be all greatness. Received. And uh, again, um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, and continue the great work and continue representing for other women, uh, black women, uh, and just people all over the world that may want to be educators one day as well. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for watching another episode of A Slice of the Community. Check you out next time.